What is up, MMA fans? Welcome to my channel. This is the MMA Anomaly Show with yours truly, Olin, aka MMA Anomaly. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and smash that bell for notifications. Welcome back, fight fans. What is up? This is Olin, aka MMA Anomaly, back with another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. Uh, and I actually can't wait to talk about these fights. Today we're going to be talking about UFC on Vegas 54. It was uh, one of the kind of under the radar cards. I actually saw some folks online complaining that it was a watered down card. Um, that because we get fights so often, pretty much every Saturday nowadays, that we're destined to see these fight cards that have less names and you know less big draws on them. I, however, thought that this was one of the better fight cards that we've seen in a while from start to finish. So uh, we'll go ahead and start from the bottom here. So in the first fight, we had Nick Maximoff, a.k.a. Nate Diaz 2.0, going up against Andre Petrosky, uh, one of the standouts from The Ultimate Fighter this most recent season. Uh, it was a very quick fight. The guys kind of went back and forth on social media and via interviews, and apparently there was some talk that uh, via Nick Maximoff that they were supposed to fight each other on the regional scene, and that just never came to fruition. Um, Andre Petrosky went out very aggressively and completely smoked him. He put him to sleep with a choke, and that's all she wrote. It only took him about a minute and a half to do that. And I mean, if you haven't been watching Andre Petrosky, now's a reason to start watching him. Moving into the next fight, we actually had one of the most fun technical fights I've seen in a while. It was uh, Tetsuro Taira going up against Carlos Candelario. And man, I mean, Carlos Candelario, he always brings it. He's always game, never backs down. And it was no different last night. He definitely brought it, but Tetsuro Taira, a new up-and-comer from Japan, absolutely showed his grit and showed his steel, and my goodness, what a name to look out for. The way that he's able to transition and take the back is, it's absolutely incredible to witness. And just the technicality in which he moves and kind of surfs on top of the body and the jiu-jitsu scrambles, or grappling scrambles overall, um, just a pleasure to watch. Uh, I feel like whether you've trained or not trained, definitely somebody you should watch. He's very exciting, constantly moving forward, constantly trying to advance position or go for some type of submission threat, and uh, definitely a great addition to the UFC roster. In the next fight, it was kind of a tough pill to swallow, right? We had Angela Overkill Hill going up against Verna Jendiroba. And I mean, Verna is just one of those fighters that she might not put on the most exciting fights that you'll ever see, but you can always count on the fact that she is going to always be going forward. She is always going to be going for the takedown. And if she gets the takedown, her top pressure, if I had to describe it in one word, I would say suffocating. Her top pressure is absolutely suffocating to the point of making people tire out and quit on themselves. Angela Hill, that being said, is not a quitter at all. Constantly tried to get out of those exchanges. And even though she lost the decision, I think that she showed vast improvements in her grappling. Um, a tough loss for Angela Hill, and, and I really do look forward to seeing her next fight. I hope it's in the UFC, but I'm not so sure it will be, to be completely honest. Uh, congrats to Verna Jandiroba. I honestly think that if she keeps on at this trajectory, she could be a problem for the division. In the preliminary co-main event, uh, we had Michael Johnson going up against Alain Patrick. Um, me and Drew actually kind of talked about this a little bit going in, and we thought that Michael Johnson might have his hands full going in against Alain Patrick, but boy, did he shut us up. He proved that he is still dangerous. His hands are as polished as ever, and he throws really weird strikes. He'll do these pawing hooks, but they work, almost like a Justin Gaethje-style striking. 
but man, he is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, again, somebody that is able to really absorb the pressure whenever it's put on him, scramble back to his feet and prove to be a real problem on the feet. Um, that being said, he won the fight via TKO in the second round. He sat Alon down and it was just a great fight to watch, honestly. The preliminary headliner was actually somebody that I kind of grew up with. I worked in restaurants with in Louisiana. Uh, Andrea KGB Lee going up against uh, Viviani Arroyo. And even though I actually know Andrea Lee, I, I really thought that Arroyo was going to go out there and win the fight, which she did. Um, if you watched the fight, if you paid attention to social media at all, um, there was obviously a moment in between rounds that is more talked about than the fight itself, which was actually a really good fight. Um, and it was Andrea Lee's boyfriend, Tony Kelly, being clearly kind of racist here. Uh, I'll try and throw the clip up here as long as it doesn't get removed. That's what they're gonna do. They're already fucking mouth. Brazilians. They're gonna fucking cheat like that. Guess what? We came to fuck somebody up and we will look. So as you can see, um, not a good look. And I mean, that being said, he has a fight coming up in, I believe, Texas. And man, his his opponent is now gonna just be a, an absolute hero, right? Let's go Adrian Yanez. Now in the next fight, we had a, uh, a newcomer, Jake Hadley, coming from the Dana White Contender Series, going up against Mr. Alan Nascimento. Um, I mean, I, I really thought that Nascimento was going to kind of show his brass and that he belongs in the UFC and take Jake Hadley out. Uh, Jake Hadley did look good on the Contender Series. That being said, the fighters on the Contender Series are not UFC fighters, right? Um, so it was a decision win for Mr. Nascimento, and I, I think if he keeps on sharpening his skills, he could actually prove to be a, you know, a top 15 fighter here in the flyweight division. In the next fight, we had Frank Camacho going up against newcomer Manuel Torres. These guys both brought it. They, they stepped to the center of the octagon. They were throwing lead. They were throwing just hands for days. And uh, in the end, when, when both people are throwing big bombs, big haymakers trying to take each other out, what do you think is going to happen? Somebody is going to get knocked out. And that's what ended up happening. We saw uh, Frank Camacho ended up just getting knocked out there in round one. It was about three and a half minutes into the round, three minutes and 27 seconds in. It was a beautiful knockout. Definitely check that out. All right, moving into this next fight, it's a fight that I was actually very excited about going into. We had Caitlin Chukagian going up against Amanda Hibas. Now, me and the fiance watched this one and we both thought decisively Hibas won the fight. In the first round, she got a takedown. In the second round, she got a takedown. She ended up establishing about four minutes, maybe four and a half minutes of control time, which is insane in a 15 minute fight. Uh, it's almost a whole round of control. and. The overall strikes across the distance, you had 71 to 84 in favor of Amanda Hibas. The significant strikes, you had 63 to 55 in favor of Chukagian, okay? The percentages of strikes thrown versus landed, all in favor of Amanda Hibas. Two takedown attempts from Caitlin Chukagian, two takedowns failed. Six takedown attempts from Amanda Hibas, three takedowns landed. Now, if you ask me, that's pretty clean cut. It's pretty like clear as day. Amanda Hibas won that fight. I would love to know what you guys all think in the comments below. If you think I'm wrong, please, please let me know why. Uh, tell me how you scored that for Caitlin Chukagian and why you scored that for Caitlin Chukagian. Uh, so obviously, Chukagian won a split decision and uh, good for her. 
Amanda Hebas showed that she can come up and wait and be an absolute threat to this division. And I look forward to seeing her uh, next fight at this weight class with uh, maybe a little bit of a longer camp. This next fight was definitely my most anticipated fight of the entire night. Um, I've been looking forward to this fight for some time. We had Davey Grant, who I always look forward to his fights, going in there against Luis, the last Samurai Smolka. Now, this fight on paper and in real life just had fight of the night written all over it, right? Um, in the first round, it looked like Luis Smolka was done. He actually got dropped, and when he hit the mat, my fiance pointed out that he literally looked up and said, fuck. So, not a good look, right? He got hit fucking hard, and he got dropped hard. And it looked like it was it was all but over for him, but he ended up fighting through, ended up scrambling, surviving the round. And then in the second round, he comes in there, and he actually, in my opinion, wins the second round. They go into the third round, round three, one to one. You, you can't ask for a better fight than that. You can't ask for a cooler fight than that. And then all of a sudden, just boom, Davy Grant sent him into orbit. And, uh, you know, he it, it was a, a wild scramble. Uh, he ended up actually hitting him with a calf kick, right? And then Luis Smoka couldn't plan on his leg. He kind of hopped up. And while hopping, had the instinct and grit to shoot for a takedown on one leg. Shoots for the takedown, fails the attempt, tries to do kind of a, a front flip scramble to get into better position, ends up on his back, and then boom, boom. I believe he got caught with maybe two or three big shots uh, from the top from Davey and just sent him into the shadow realm. Um, hope he has a quick recovery. Big fan of Luis Smolka. I definitely think that he can stick at this weight class if he wants to. Uh, if he doesn't want to make the cut back down to flyweight, I, I don't think that that would be the worst decision for him. In the co-main event, we had Ryan Superman Span going up against Ion Kudelaba, um, or Elon, I, I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Ion Kudelaba. But anyways, the coolest thing about it is the fact that it's Superman versus Hulk, which if you're a comic book fan, that's something that people always debate, right? Who would win in a fight, Superman or the Hulk? If you read comic books though, my opinion on that is the Hulk gets stronger the angrier he gets. So the more Superman beats him up, the stronger he's gonna get. You can get as strong as you want. He's just gonna send your ass hurling into the sun and then you die. So Superman wins in the comics and it turns out in the octagon, Superman won that fight as well. You had Superman's fan going in there who's usually a slow starter notoriously, going up against Ion Kudalaba who's typically a very fast starter. Both guys came, met in the middle, started throwing hands and feet and uh, good lord, Ryan's fan has his kryptonite in his hands for most men, which I guess is the wrong word because he's Superman. Uh, maybe he's just a man of steel, right? He's got steel hands. He put Ion down, and it was just, it was bad. Uh, Kudalaba got slept, and I think Ryan Spann could definitely be a problem for this division. I'd like to see maybe Ryan Spann versus Anthony Smith if Anthony Smith wins his next fight, but we'll see. And of course, in the main event, we had a pretty unfortunate finish to an otherwise awesome start to the fight. We had Jan Blakowicz going up against Alexander Rakic. Uh, Rakic looked to be doing incredibly well against Jan, and something happened when he was taking a step back. You literally saw his knee kind of click and lock up, and then he just falls down in agonizing pain. Um, I, I hope it's nothing too serious, but if I had to guess, I would say it looks like, you know, maybe like a torn ACL or MCL or something. Um, but we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, Jan's takeaway from it was that he was prepared to go 25 minutes, and Rakic wasn't which actually turns out to be true. Rakic admitted um, this morning or late last night, either way, he admitted after the fight 
that he did have an issue with his knee three weeks ago in camp and it looks like it came back to bite him in the ass. Um, most of these fighters really don't go into these fights 100% ever. And that's one of the issues with this sport is how hard it is to get through a full training camp without sustaining any injuries going into the fight. Um, that being said, I wish all the men and women on this fight card quick recoveries uh, in victory and defeat. And just God, what a night of fights. I hope all of you fight fans enjoyed the fights. And if you didn't get a chance to watch them, make sure you check them out. They should all be up on the ESPN Plus app, um, which if they don't take away the videos that I try to add to the video, they own all the rights to these videos, ESPN Plus. So definitely make sure that you subscribe to them and uh, download the app. Thanks again, guys. Uh, wherever you're watching or listening to this, whether it's on YouTube, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, the whole lot of them, uh, make sure that you subscribe, like, comment, rate the podcast, do all the things you're supposed to do with YouTubes and podcasts and all that stuff. And as always, thank you so much. I really appreciate the support. I'll see you guys and gals next time. Thanks.